fellow humans. You're listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, and I'm Janine Strong. Dr. Stephanie Seneff is with us again. I'm very excited because she is very much sought after these days. So I'm really, really happy to have her back. I know she's been a busy, busy girl. She is a consummate researcher and a dot connector, and I love her conversations. I always learn so much from her. And this is probably our eighth conversation, and all of our conversations have been very timeless and relevant. So if you're interested in more from Stephanie, please go to realjanine.com and click on the archives, and you will find more conversations with her. So since we've had her on for many, many times, I'm just going to give a quick bio. Dr. Stephanie Seneff is a senior research scientist at MIT. Since 2008, she has focused her research interests on the impact of nutritional deficiencies and environmental toxins on human health, especially the role of glyphosate, a topic that is near and dear to both of us. She has been researching intensely connections between toxins and COVID-19. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome back. So great to be back. Thank you. Yes, this is going to be fun. So our last conversation was in February, and I know you've been really busy, and um, I thought, boy, we need to have a little conversation again and see what you've discovered since February. Yes, uh, I've really been uh, mostly focused on the mRNA vaccines, or mm-hmm. so-called vaccines. Yeah. I really <laughs> find them to be extremely fascinating and terrifying. Yes, I want to get the message out to people to uh, stop getting boosters. Basically, people need to stop getting this stuff because every time they get a shot, they're setting themselves back. The disease is not that that dangerous anymore. Right, right. I don't know that it ever was. Um, But it seems like also the boosters have more of whatever damages you. Um, Honestly, I'm seeing uh, every day people are just dropping. Yes, I've, I've feeling that way too. It's actually really amazing how many of our friends and family and people on the street are, are getting sick. You know, it's just really frightening. Uh, it, it, it's, it's awful to stand by and watch it happen and not be able to prevent them from further damaging themselves with additional boosters. It's just really crazy. I know. I know. Who is it? Mark Crispin Miller. I get uh, emails from him and I'm on his Substack, And he sent out a couple of emails of musicians, mm-hmm. the number of musicians who are canceling their tours, or wow. who just just fall over and die while they're performing. It's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Really creepy. It's really scary. And then of course, we see all these cases of athletic people dropping dead. And mm-hmm. it's just, um, it's just really amazing. I, I, it, the evidence is really strong. The, ver- the evidence of the VAERS database is really strong for things like myocarditis in young men. And I think especially athletic young men, this seems mm-hmm. very um, tragic to take away the life of a strong young man this way. I know. I know. I, I came up with a hypothesis. See what you think of this. Okay. <laughs> I may be really crazy, but because it seems like the athletes are dropping during uh, during games, yes. uh, not uh-huh. during um, practice. Mm-hmm. And and I've been reading a lot about the graphene oxide and the connection with 5G and, and how there's an interaction. And I thought, I wonder if it's during the games because they're in these stadiums with all of this 
who knows, you know, electricity, uh, probably 5G, where as when they're out practicing, they're usually just mm-hmm. out on a field somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And because um, I thought, why are they dropping during professional games as opposed to when they're practicing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting theory. Because <laughs> these things are hard to prove. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Another possibility is just the adrenaline rush of being in the game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That's true. Adrenaline might sort of you know, cause the heart to have to work harder mm-hmm. and, um, and then working hard under the conditions of being poisoned by the spike protein is not something that can work, you know, that just basically takes them down. That would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Just the, um, the excitement is in the adrenaline rush and all of that is causing the heart to really go boom, boom, boom. And then it just gets overloaded. It can't handle the load um, while it's mm-hmm. being, while it's got all that inflammation going on, it just can't handle it. And so it shuts down. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. But I've had a really great time working with my team. I've got this, (laughs) I really like these four people. There are four of us who are working together and we've been working really hard uh, on several papers in parallel. And uh, we have one that got published in native immune suppression. Um, That one got published some time ago. um, And that's had a really good um, um, reaction, you know, a Mm -hmm. lot of uh, Mm -hmm. chatter around it. Um, I'm very pleased about that paper. And and the journal was, you know, a respectable journal. Oh, good. And, uh, so, but then we have, I think it's three others that we're working on and uh, two of them are, have been posted as um, preprints. So they're available mm-hmm. on the web as a preprint and we're working on getting them published. And what I'm happy to say is just today, really, I got the final proofs of, uh, of the paper that's about to appear. So it, it'll appear any day now, I think, on the journal uh, Neurological Disorders. Neurological oh, Disorders is the name of the journal. And the title of the paper is Potential Mechanisms for Human Genome Integration of Genetic Code from SARS-CoV-2 Message RNA Vaccination Implications for Disease. And the authors are Anthony Kyriakopoulos, he's the Greek guy, Paul uh, Peter McCullough, whom you probably mm-hmm. know of, yes. Greg, mm-hmm. Nye, uh, Greg Nye and myself. Mm-hmm. So Greg and I had written that first paper a couple of right. years ago now. Yes, uh, I remember. Mm-hmm. Worse than the disease. And then uh, and then the native immune suppression came out um, I guess a year later, so last May, something like that, April or May. And um, and now this new paper is just about to appear. So I'm really excited because this one was really a, a bear to get published, to be honest with you. They <laughs> they really don't want um, publications that show that there's potential for the, um, for the spike protein RNA to get converted to DNA and even potentially integrated into the human genome. There's potential for that. And it hasn't been proven. We admit that paper hasn't been proven. But what we do in the paper, we really uh, review a large literature review of various papers that talk about various aspects of the process by which, you know, these things happen and the consequences of them. When you have, um, you know, amyloidogenic proteins um, and the message RNA of those proteins from the virus or whatever kind of infection and the potential for that to get converted through these uh, reverse transcriptase um, enzymes, the whole machinery is there. And the machinery is active in cancer cells, but also in immune cells and in uh, germ, the germline cells, the reproductive mm. cells. Now, now Stephanie, be- mm-hmm. before you go on, what amyloid? What was that again? Amyloid? Yeah, amyloidogenic proteins. So these are proteins that have the potential to cause other proteins to misfold. It's quite a fascinating. Okay. I've been fascinated in that space for a long, long time. 
even before I discovered glyphosate, which was like 12 or 13 years ago, mm-hmm. I've been uh, fascinated with these uh, with these neurodegenerative diseases that are caused by the folding of these proteins. This is is this the prions? Is this prions? Yes. It's, oh, okay. It's prions. Yeah, the famous one is the prion protein itself, which is the, a human protein. Many different species have this this prion protein, different versions of it. You know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and that protein is really, really fascinating. But that's the one that the guy got the Nobel Prize for. I'm going to forget his name now. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't. I'm not going to get that name. <laughs> anyway, it was a Nobel Prize that was awarded for the theory that um, that the, this was a protein-based infection that you could um, you could catalyze an, an, uh, an infection uh, without having a, a living agent. It's not, it's not it's a non-living mm. agent of spread, basically. And the spread happens through crystallization. So it's quite fascinating biophysics that the there's a particular misfolded protein um, that acts as a seed for a crystal in a sense, and it causes another protein to misfold, or sometimes it's the same protein that the that the humans are producing that protein, and it causes it triggers this kind of cascade that causes this whole uh, formation of these fibrils, you know, sort of um, insoluble um, plaque-like things. So you have the amyloid beta uh, and the plaque that's associated with Alzheimer's disease is a classic example of, mm-hmm. a, of a misfolded protein. But they're now starting to think that even, so they, they've thought of the prion protein itself as being kind of king, like that's the one that causes all the trouble. And it can cause am- amyloid beta to misfold. So it can sort of cause other proteins to misfold. Mm-hmm. But they had thought... Um, that it was only one, but now they're starting to realize that many proteins seem to have this same sort of prion-like capability, like the amyloid beta that causes Alzheimer's. A particular cell can end up with a misfolded version of this protein, and it'll say, well, geez, I got to get rid of this stuff, so it'll stick it into an exosome and throw it out into the universe. So basically, these cells that are sick, they get rid of um, the protein that's causing them trouble by packaging it up inside these little lipid particles and okay. just letting it go. And then it travels along nerve fibers and reaches other neurons. And then those take it up and then they get the seed, they start misfolding their own proteins as well. So the whole system can really spread and cause massive problems with the brain once it gets going. You know, it's it's a it's almost like a whole crystallization of the whole brain that is wow. triggered by a very small exposure initially that just cascades into this crazy, crazy response. It's really fascinating. So, okay, so uh, just dive for, for clarity here. Um, so the the uh, misfolded protein, is it, gets packaged in the exosome to get mm-hmm. to for the body to get rid of it? Yeah, well, for the cell to get rid of it. And for it, the actually, cell. Okay. it starts really in the gut. It often starts in the gut. They even like Parkinson's disease is another one that's connected to an, a, a protein that is folded, which is called alpha-synuclein. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's a lot of studies on Parkinson's have, really con- confirmed that it often starts in the gut with an exposure to some external protein it might be made by a, a bacterium in the gut. And then oh. that protein has this amyloidogenic potential. And then that protein gets picked up by an immune cell in the gut and it gets misfolded and the immune cell goes to the spleen and then it can infect the spleen. So now the spleen starts to get misfolded proteins. The whole thing multiplies you know wow. it's, it's a weird kind of multiplication that has to do with crystallization it's the formation of a crystal around a misfolded protein that that triggers other proteins proteins to join the club you know what's the crystal this. made of protein it's all protein, oh, it's, it's protein, it's protein. folded into this weird form that's very mm. tight 
and insoluble. So it it sort of gets, it precipitates out of the water. You know, you can sort of see sometimes these chemical reactions in the chemistry lab where some something will suddenly precipitate out. You know, mm-hmm. you can do that with mm-hmm. sugar, like a super saturated sugar right. solution. Mm-hmm. And you can or make salt. the sugar suddenly, mm-hmm. yeah, suddenly come out. It's um, it's similar to that. I mean, the proteins are really, really fascinating because they, they have all these tricky ways that they fold. And the protein folding itself is a huge research field. And people are really mm-hmm. um, stumped. People can't really understand how proteins are able to fold the way they need to. To function properly, but every protein, you know, has a sort of natural <clears throat> folded state that is the healthy state that where it can do its job. But if it misfolds into one of these other states, it no longer works. And in fact, increasingly, I've been reading a ton of papers on all these neurodegenerative diseases: Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, ALS, which mm-hmm. is Lou Gehrig's disease, a CJD, mm-hmm. which is the prion disease, Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. All of these diseases. Um, papers about them and try to understand. For example, it's actually really fascinating because they've been working really hard trying to find drugs that treat Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think none of the drugs that they've got are of any use. In fact, they probably set you back. Like mm-hmm. these drugs mm-hmm. that they're coming up with, mostly they see that there's this amyloid plaque in, in Alzheimer's and they think, well, if we could just get rid of the plaque, that'd be good, right? So they find these drugs that can kind of bring that plaque back into solution and then they think, oh, that's great. We got rid of the plaque. Let's try that. And, and it, it works well as far as doing what it's supposed to do, but it doesn't help Alzheimer's. It makes it worse. Oh, wow. And finally realizing that many of these diseases that are associated with these plaques and these Lewy bodies, there's all these different, you know, you can see them under a microscope. You can see these weird things that shouldn't be there. Oh, wow. But <laughs> what those are. Yeah, go ahead. No, I said, that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's really interesting stuff. But the um, but when the protein, if you think about a protein in a cell that has a function, no matter what that function is, it does something for the cell that's important. Mm-hmm. And now you put in this seed that causes it all to precipitate out and go into these plaques. What happens is you have a deficiency now in that protein. There's too mm-hmm. little of it, not too okay. much, mm-hmm. because it's all been taken out by that crystal. So it's no longer present in the cell. And Got can't it. form mm-hmm. the function it's supposed to form. And they're now really starting to realize when they look at every one of these diseases that that's really the key underlying pathology. It's not that these, I mean, the plaques probably aren't a healthy thing to have lying around, but they're not really the thing that's killing you. Mm-hmm. What's killing you is the fact that those proteins are being sequestered into that plaque and therefore they can't do what they're supposed to do. And all these proteins are, have very important jobs to play. The proteins that misfold like this, they all have important jobs to play. So when they can't play that job, you get sick. But it's because it got taken away through the formation of these crystals. It's really wow. fascinating. So it sounds like this could happen anywhere in the body. Yes. And, and typically, I think these neurodegenerative diseases, I suspect, I know it's true for Parkinson's, and I'm thinking it's true for prion diseases and possibly for everything, all of these neurodegenerative diseases, they start with immune cells and often immune cells in the gut. And they're being exposed to some external protein. Like I said, something produced by a bacterium, something produced by a virus, something injected in the shot, you know, because mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the, the shot, the, uh, the mRNA in the vaccine gets picked up by the immune cells at the muscle site, carried into the immune system, into the lymph system and mm-hmm. goes over to the spleen. And, the, and that's where they end up too from the gut. So when something in the gut, there's a, a, a bacterium that's producing some toxin and the immune cells are trying to deal with it. They pick up that toxin and it's folds, they package it up into exosomes, but they carry it to the spleen. 
because in the spleen is where the immune cells can train the B cells and T cells to make the antibodies. So the idea is, oh, we've got to get antibodies for this stuff because this stuff's really toxic. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, okay. they're producing it and misfolding it and shipping it out as exosomes. So all that garbage, really toxic stuff is being released from the spleen by the immune cells that have taken a vaccine. You know, that's really, really scary. Oh, so wow. whether it's a vaccine or whether it's a bacterium in the gut that is producing some toxin, the immune cells land in the spleen. They're trying to get antibodies so that it can be cleared. Because if it gets loose, it's going to be really big trouble. But in the process, they release these exosomes that can travel along nerve fibers. They go up the vagus nerve to the brain. They cause a lot of trouble on the vagus nerve itself. And we wrote about that in that immune suppression paper that we published uh, last May. We wrote about how the, um, the exosomes that are traveling along the vagus nerve are going to affect the vagus nerve and cause inflammation, which is going to cause a lot of symptoms. And not just the vagus nerve, but every nerve, the vagus nerve travels and connects with. So you've got all these nerves in the head, the trigeminal nerve, the facial mm-hmm. nerve, the auditory nerve, the, the visual, you know, the, the, uh, the visual system, all of these things get exposed to this toxin that's being carried in by these exosomes that are released by, this, by the immune cells that are living in the spleen and trying to cope with this uh, protein that's being produced by these messenger RNA molecules that are really, really sturdy because they designed them to not be able to break down. So wow. The RNA lasts a long, long time. That's a really serious problem with these. Wow. Guys. Yeah. Now, okay. So let's talk about the vagus nerve for a minute because the parasympathetic uh, nervous system is related to the vagus nerve, isn't it? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. So, so I mean, I'm thinking my brain's going, um, so a couple of things. One, um, so this could explain the Bell's palsy, the right, exactly. hearing, the hearing issues, the vision yep, the issues, the headaches, even and the headaches. Yeah, that's going to be headaches and a migraine headaches. That's a huge symptom in the Bears database, and even things like na- nausea because you can get in trouble. You get nausea mm. when the vagus nerve is inflamed. Okay, okay, and also difficulty swallowing. That's another one that shows up. You know, right, right, and and then I I was thinking also about. Um, gee, so because your, your, your parasympathetic is that's your rest and uh, rest and digest. Right. And then Mm -hmm. your sympathetic is fight or flight. Right. So Mm -hmm. if that's all getting messed up, right. Because I'm hearing things about people's personalities changing. Uh huh. Interesting. I think that could be possible. Yeah. A lot more anger. It's getting into the brainstem nuclei and it's getting into the limbic system, you know, and all that that controls your emotions. It's, it's, it's really, um, I feel like it's just so clear from the VAERS database. And we analyzed all these different symptoms where this vaccine mm. was causing these weird symptoms that other vaccines don't cause, you know, having to do with it. What made sense was inflammation on all these nerve fibers that are in the brain and then reaching those centers as well, you know, the nerve centers and then causing trouble there. So, uh, and people are getting, wow. I mean, I've got lots of email now from dozens of people who have told me either their own personal sob story or some friend or some relative, mm-hmm. devastating, devastating effects where they're basically waiting to die. You know, it's so mm-hmm. sad. Mm-hmm. Neurological, you know, just a catastrophe, a neurological catastrophe following one of these vaccines. It's really, really scary, I think. Wow. And, you know, I, I can't help but wonder. Wow. I, I'm almost starting to get emotional. I just feel so sorry for these people because I know most people who took it 
felt like they were doing the right thing. I know. You know I, really, I don't know why some of us knew right away. Uh-uh. But right. I think those of us who were very wary of toxic chemicals, I mean, I'm always very alert to every toxic chemical exposure I might be um, subjected to. So I'm very careful. And as soon as I heard about this vaccine being developed, warp speed, I was very suspicious. And I immediately started reading about the technology even before the vaccine came out. I was reading the papers, but going back to 1990s about the research, and I became aware early on that this technology, this messenger RNA technology is something they've been fussing with for a long time. And they keep thinking that success is right around the corner if they Mm. could just get past the the trials, you know? So what happens is they'll have some idea for some mRNA based um, vaccine to, to treat something like, and often it has to do with some kind of, well, sometimes it's just, um, well, they're thinking in terms of cancer, for example, and um, and then they'll 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 find that it doesn't work. Basically, they'll they'll get into a trial, and the trial will fail, and then they'll have to go back to the drawing board, you know. And they just can't get it together. And um, I think they felt like they were really close, and they had a big breakthrough, which was a very dangerous breakthrough. Um, some years back, when they discovered that if they took all the uridines in the in the RNA and changed them into methyl pseudouridine, this is a you know it's a different molecule. Mm-hmm. So the, the the RNA contains only four things, right. which are the which are the nucleotides, and uridine is one of them. And so there's a lot of uridine in the molecule, and they took every one of them and changed it into methyl pseudouridine. And they discovered when they did that that the that the RNA became very sturdy. So the, the enzyme that would normally break it down very quickly couldn't do mm-hmm. it. It stuck mm-hmm. around. And that that's what was a really big breakthrough because they always found that a big problem was that they needed to get the RNA to make the protein, to get the protein to be exposed on the surface, to get the antibodies to be produced. They had to make all that happen. And then what would happen is the cell would just break down the RNA in the vaccine before it had a chance to make protein. So you couldn't get antibodies, you know, so they needed to make it stick around for a long time. And this was a huge breakthrough. Um, that made them suddenly think it was viable. But what they weren't thinking about is if you let RNA is supposed to last for a few hours. Okay. What happens if you let it last for two months, which is what <laughs> we're seeing two mm-hmm. months. I mean, that's just crazy. It's way, way, way not normal. Hmm. And particularly one that's making a toxic protein like the spike protein, which has been shown to be a neurotoxin has been shown to be an amyloidogenic, you know, causing the misfolding of these other proteins. And it's causing these, blood clots, you know, people are getting all these blood clots. And those are basically, I think, because the spike protein is uh, causing other proteins that are, have this potential to misfold. And these are proteins that are, you know, released by the platelets that have to do with blood clotting. It makes these blood clots that are really, really sturdy and they can't be broken down Mm. because of the ability of the spike protein to, to cause other proteins to misfold in this nasty way. So you're getting both, your blood's getting cluttered up with these blood clots, which can go to your uh, lungs and call pul- cause pulmonary embolism, which can kill you, you know, and that's happening. Right, right. And Stephanie, I, I can't believe that they didn't know that, that a lot of this was going to happen. Well, that's what puzzles me. I don't see how they could be so smart and yet so stupid because to not right. be aware of these things that I was able to figure out by just reading the re- research literature, they should have re- read the literature <laughs> much more thoroughly than I did, right? Yeah. So why wouldn't they figure it out too? I, they have some kind of weird blind optimism. I think that they can see the potential for a huge amount of money if they can just get this technology to work the way they want it to. And they, they're sort of wishful thinking, perhaps. I don't know. 
Well, you know, I don't know if you've been following, you know, Pfizer was forced to, I can't believe they, they wanted to um, withhold the information about all of this for 75 years. I know that was pretty funny. On, (laughs) jeez, These guys are really amazing, aren't they? With their chutzpah. I mean, they just think, oh, you know, no, we can't do that. It's going to take us 75 years. So, you know, too bad for that. It's like, no, you can't take 75 years. You've got to find the resources to do this, right? Yeah. So, but so anyway, so the, you know, every, I don't know how often it is. So many, so many pages are getting dumped. Right. And, and um, Naomi Wolf has um, a a big team, what it's over 3000 of, of people going through the papers and looking for information. And, you know, it seems to me from, you know, from Pfizer's own documents that they knew. I know they had to know there was a lot of potential for really bad things to happen. I just can't imagine they didn't know that. And I think they must have hoped that, I mean, it takes a while for people to notice. I think that's what I'm discovering. You know, you've got like, you have a friend who has a cancer that came back and you've got another friend who had a heart attack, you know, just all these things are kind of happening to your friends. So kind of more than usual, you know, you kind Mm -hmm. of think, oh, my friends are really getting sick or my family. I mean, this is what I'm certainly experiencing that. And then, um, Mm-hmm. And people somehow think, oh, well, it's just kind of, you know, happenstance. This is just, well, it happens to be a bad time. I mean, just, well, they're normal. They're trying to normalize it. Yeah. It takes a lot for people to say, you know what? Something's not right about this. There's too many people getting sick here. People don't seem to be able to see that. They're always like, well, it's not really. It just happens to be. I mean, people are remarkably able to excuse it somehow. I know, I know. It, it absolutely floors me. I mean, the cancer thing. Okay. So how does... How does this information that you're sharing with us, does that relate to, um, I mean, people who have been, had cancer and have been in remission? Yes. It's coming back like with a vengeance and most people are like dying really fast. And then people who have never been diagnosed, all of a sudden now they have cancer. Right. I know. I think it's a huge part of, uh, of the toxicity. I think the vaccine is causing an increased risk is certainly causing cancer to recur if you had cancer in remission comes back and probably even causes new cancer to appear definitely causes neurodegenerative diseases definitely causes blood issues blood clots you know thrombosis Mm -hmm. all of those things and also autoimmune disease so all of these problems are going to be get worse because of the vaccine and you know different people have different degrees of of health of a buffer. Like if someone has a really healthy immune system, they're probably going to be okay. Although even then I don't know, because I, know. I just think when you let your body make a poison like this, it takes a while to get over it, you know, to get it cleared from your system, even with a really healthy immune system, you need to get that thing cleared. And if your immune system is not healthy, your immune cells can't clear it. And that's when it really gets into trouble. Because well, and if it's supposed to keep problems. replicating though, how, I mean, well, that's the thing, especially if it gets into DNA, because that's what this new paper is about, the one that has just gotten accepted. And it's available, a version of it is available um, as a preprint right now. But I, I think that paper is going to come out in a couple of days. Um, mm-hmm. Very excited because we just um, we just got word and the proofs, you know, the final proof. So it should be very soon. It'll come out. And I'm hoping it'll have a splash um, because it's very, uh, we, we really did a, a deep dive into the mechanisms by which um, the protein, the, the RNA could get converted to DNA, integrated into the genome. But worse than that, the whole process of doing that causes DNA double strand breaks, which is a direct hit leading to cancer. Cancer is oh. almost caused by 
you know, in some sense, cancer is caused by DNA double strand breaks. When you have toxins that cause DNA damage, um, then eventually that turns that cell into a tumor cell. You know, it's a, it's a process. It's the cell that gets damaged either keels over and dies or becomes a tumor cell or becomes senescent. There's kind of these three different opportunities to, you, you basically, when you have broken DNA, you've got a big problem and the cells make a decision about what to do under that circumstance and neurons okay. will simply die. And then you'll have neurological damage. Mm-hmm. Whereas another cell that can proliferate will start proliferating and turn into a cancer cell when it has enough DNA damage. And what this spike protein does really well is DNA damage. And that's part mm-hmm. of that whole process has to do with the interesting thing is that the cause, the DNA damage is integrally connected to the process by which it gets converted to DNA. And we talk about this in the paper. It's really, really fascinating. I, I didn't realize this until we started looking that um, the mechanisms that that can potentially cause RNA to get converted into DNA and integrated into the genome are the same mechanisms that cause the kind of DNA damage that can end up with cancer. So it's all connected together mm-hmm. and you can get, mm-hmm. and we talk in the paper about the potential for, you know, not just that the RNA could get integrated into the D- genome, make the DNA, the DNA can then make spike protein for the rest of your life, you know, it won't go away. The RNA will disappear with, once it gets degraded. Okay. Maybe it'll take months, but it'll disappear. Okay. Whereas once it's DNA, all bets are off. I mean, it can keep making spike protein for the rest of your life. And that's going to well, be a that's huge a, problem. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. And, you know, you were saying, you know, maybe healthy people, but look at all the athletes. They're healthy and they're dropping. Yes, so I, know. I don't think it has anything to do with how healthy and how fit you are. It probably has something to do with it, but I agree with you that the athletes are really fascinating because I feel they are especially susceptible to heart damage as a consequence of being athletic. Right, right. I think their their heart is so, um, their heart has been stressed by all the athleticism. I mean, they just do so much you know, heavy uh, labor, heavy, heavy exercise that de- puts demands on the heart, right? So their heart is conditioned. You know, their heart is very probably bigger than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, has more mitochondria than normal, you know, sort of like a, a giant heart in a way, a very, um, a very athletic heart is different from the heart of somebody who's lazy, you know, very different. Right. right. But I think that kind of heart is going to be more susceptible to damage from, uh, particularly because it's going to be stressed in a very, in a situation where the athlete is working really hard, that heart is being very stressed. And on top of that stress is all this might, all this inflammation that's caused by the spike protein. So spike protein, Wherever it goes, it causes inflammation and it travels along the vagus nerve from the spleen, uh, goes to the heart, goes to the liver, goes to the brain, and all of those organs are going to be um, damaged by it. So depending upon lots of things, it's not clear which condition you're going to get, you know, mm-hmm. but all these right. conditions are really, really bad. Whether you get cancer or whether you get heart failure, whether you get you know neurodegenerative disease, they're all really, really bad. I think one of the things that uh, Dr. Lee Merritt said, um, this was uh, quite a while ago, I heard her say she was in the Navy and and I believe she said she had been in the bioweapons division. Um, but she said, and I wish I could remember what it's called, but it's because she calls the the jab, the vaccine, a bioweapon, which uh-huh. I think it is. And I know, I, <laughs> I agree, actually. I, I, as more I look at it, it's like, wow, you know, because <laughs> there's a lot of things in that in that particular version of the coronavirus that are different from the other versions of the coronavirus. It looks like sorts of things that aren't going to happen by chance. 
they need some help from some humans, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they're finding graphene oxide in these, uh, uh, these lipid nanoparticles and things that actually self-assemble. I mean, right. I've, I've, I've sort of stayed away from that space, but I, I don't, <laughs> so I'm sort of agnostic because it sounds a little bit too sensationalized, you know? So I, like I know. Uh, yeah. I, I can see why you'd want to stick with that. Um, but I've seen videos of, under the microscope where they're, you know, it's speeded up and you can see them coming together and, and right. Like and that, being- that could actually be due to the spike protein. Cause as I said, the spike protein causes proteins to misfold. It can coalesce with the other proteins and form these fibrils. So that could be, um, it could be a consequence of the spike protein, not the, uh, car- not the, um, graphene. carbon particles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Graphene mm-hmm. oxide. Well, okay. So, but what, what Lee was saying was that there's a name for this, but it's, it's like a two-part bioweapon where the consequences are down the road, not, not immediate. I mean, they can Mm -hmm. be immediate, but oftentimes they're down the road so that it's on purpose so that you don't connect the two. Right. I know that's a good trick, isn't it? And that's something I really feel with respect to these particular, uh, this, this technology, because I think, um, People are getting, you know, injected and then three months later they're getting sick and they don't make those that connection. They don't realize there's a connection there. You know, right. it's easy to forget. Oh, three months ago I had a vaccine. To think that's the reason why I'm sick right now doesn't easily connect. And and of course you can't prove it either. So right. It's, right. it's kind of very difficult in that respect. You have to get a lot of data from a lot of people. And that's what you can see with the myocarditis. You know, they've done people have done statistical analysis of the VAERS database comparing young women, uh, women in that age group, the young age group, young adult versus men, and looking at the myocarditis um, counts mm-hmm. um, over the period of time when the VAERS database is producing all these reports of myocarditis among the men. And you can see an incredibly statistically significant um, signal there for myocarditis in the men, you know, very, very clear. Nobody can argue against that. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're admitting it. <laughs> right. And when it's women, it, it does seem to be women athletes. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah, that's so probably true. Yeah. The same thing. And I was just reading something about high school um, football teams that uh-huh. they're, they don't have enough healthy athletes and they aren't, they're not playing. Interesting. Yeah, I could believe it. It's really a. Uh... It's really scary. I mean, I don't know how long it's going to take before everybody wakes up. There's people who are waking up one at a time and they're saying no more. You know, I think people are stopping. Like some mm-hmm. some people just got the two shots and quit, never got a booster. More and more people are, are choosing not to get the vaccine. In fact, there's not very good uptake of this new one. And I worry about this new one too, the one that's a, a bivalent. Oh, I know. <laughs> with the, and it was barely tested at all against anything. I think it was eight mice or something. Oh, wow. That's that's a Yeah, cohort. it's very sloppy <laughs> testing. And just like, oh, well, what could go wrong? I mean, you've got two different versions of the spike protein in there. And who knows what that might do? It's, we're way, way beyond anything that we understand. We are really playing God in a very reckless way mm-hmm. with these injections. And I really, I, I really worry about, I worry about the consequences to reproduction as well, because it's very clear it goes into the reproductive organs. That was shown in studies even before the vaccines were produced. They knew that, you know, that mm-hmm. the mRNA technology gets carried into the ovaries and into the testes, you know, and so um, it's going to cause awful damage there because it causes this DNA, these DNA double strand breaks, which can't be good for reproduction. going to get, um, you know, fertility issues, but also probably 
babies with defects, you know? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Christiane Northrup has been talking a lot about this. And it seems that, I mean, not only have there been a huge number of stillbirths, dis- miscarriages, and babies dying from the breast milk of the right, mothers. That. Yes. There's been quite a bit of that. I mean, they're downplaying all of this. Um, yes. And you know, it's my understanding that fertility, fertility clinics are, uh, oh, what was it? It was a while ago. I was reading this, um, like the sperm and right. The sperm are being affected. Yeah. They, yeah. They the, yeah. The sperm. sperm before and after the jab was like yeah. totally different. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I really, I really do think as serious as all of this is that really the whole purpose of all of this is to get it. It's like in China to get everybody into a digital currency and digital ID cards where you can be completely controlled. That is a good point. And certainly all this idea of having to have the ID that shows that you've been vaccinated, this kind of proof of vaccination, right. it's all automated through these process. You have to have this um, code that, you know, like you can't get to Hawaii unless you've got, filled out these forms and gotten these tests and have this right. thing confirmed. I mean, it's, it's awful. I hate it, all of that. It's it's all leading to that. And yeah. I know there are areas in China where I, I was reading, let's see, was it how many 14 million or it, more than that? It was a city where they deliberately changed like the cards. They have either a yellow code or a red right. code or a green code. That too. Yeah. And they're lining up in the freaking rain and cold because they all had to be retested because their everybody's cards turned orange Interesting. and they all wow. had to be tested before they can do anything. Wow. I didn't hear about that. Yeah. I did hear about someone who was kind of a rebel and who was about to catch a flight and, and his card changed on him such that he couldn't get on the flight right before he was about to take off. You know, he yeah. said he got this red card flag or something. Yes. It's really scary that they can just kind of zap you like that and and yeah. Or, yeah. or if you want to go to an ATM and mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're refused, Sorry, you, can't you can't take out any money. money. Out. Yeah. <laughs> know. And you know, oh, and what they're doing now, this is new. This is really interesting. What they're doing now is, is you get so much money, but you have to spend it in a month or you lose it. Wow. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is, people don't understand where this is headed. It's right. It's really, really serious. That's why, um, Oh gosh, I'm having a uh, Catherine Austin Fitz. Um, yes. You know she's she's brilliant, and she's another one. We were talking about the uh, uh, oh, what's the word? The controlled opposition. People were saying, oh, because she used to work with the banking system and everything. No, she's been standing up since the '90s about all of this and mm-hmm. and talking about all of it, and you know the importance of cash. And mm-hmm. um, using cash as much as you can, because they're going to try to eliminate cash because they can't control cash. They don't right. know what you're doing with it. When I right. say, though, I'm talking about the people I call the psychopaths right. um, <laughs> who, who are orchestrating all of this. Right. And, um, you know, we really we really need to we really need to be aware of this. They really are trying to um, keep people from traveling. Um, if you look in the Netherlands. They are now trying to, what was I reading? Uh, They're trying to take over, the government of the Netherlands is trying to take over, um, I believe it's 600 farms. 
Oh, I heard about that too. They're trying to get rid of those farms. Right. Because they are what, doing something about climate change, right? About yeah. The it's, cows. it's bullshit. It, that's such yeah. bullshit. So what they're trying to do though, is get people into these smart cities mm-hmm. so that they can control everyone. And I know BlackRock has been buying up neighborhoods in areas. And what they do Mm -hmm. is they go in and they they make these homes all like smart homes, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. then they rent them. But Mm -hmm. then the idea is that eventually they will be able to control everything with these smart homes. Yeah, that's really scary. It's It's interesting that we, um, you know, when China first opened up and we, the United States was being very helpful to help them become more modern and investing in China and trying to get them to be more like us, you know, and, and and kept saying they're going to become more democratic, you know, (laughs) and, uh, and instead I think China has succeeded in making us become more totalitarian, you know, I think you're right. They're winning in that game. They're getting us to be more like them rather than us getting them to be more like what, what we used to be. Mm -hmm. This lack mm-hmm. of personal freedom and government control is just really frightening. I was just, I don't know, I couldn't, I could hardly cope with the whole series of things that happened with regard to mandates of that vaccine. I could not believe it. And I was very I upset that they required it for kids going to college. I, it just infuriates me. Now they require the booster shot. Unbelievable that they would, you know, force kids. Yeah. Why? What uh, is, where is the scientific basis? And where is the right to do that? I yeah, don't understand exactly. how they got by with it. I, I really don't understand that. I, I, I really believed when they were first talking about warp speed, I was confident that people could simply say no to the mm-hmm. vaccine. That wouldn't be a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I was mm-hmm. so shocked when that turned out not to be true. I know. And then, it, and then nobody got, the, the schools didn't get, you know, there's just not enough reaction in terms of lawsuits or whatever, some way to prove that they're not allowed to do this. Cause I can't believe they're allowed to do that with a, with a experimental product. It takes time for lawsuits. Um, who was I talk? Oh, uh, Dr. Holly Forchak. She said that there have been 700 it's worldwide and that's not mm-hmm. a lot really, but 700 lawsuits that have been won. That's excellent. Um, that's yeah. really good news. Yeah. Because it, and I was reading that I, I forget, you know, who said it, whether it was, you know, one of the Weffers, like Cliff, Cliff High calls them Mother Weffers, um, the WEF. The Weffers. That, <laughs> the yeah, the Weffers. <laughs> that um, yeah, he's got cute names for things. This was kind of a trial run to see if they could get people to lockstep and, and just do what they're told to do. Because yes. then the next thing is the rollout of, you know, getting rid of cash, making it sound like, oh, it's just going to be so wonderful because it's, it's going to be so easy and it's going to make your right. life so much easier and you're going to love it and blah, blah, blah. And, and then, you know, to get everybody in lockstep with complete control. I know it's really then we're going to all of a sudden realize and wake up one day when we find out what they can do to us because they've got so much control over us now. And we'll, we're going to say, oh, my God, right? we just happily go about our business thinking that everything's fine while they exercise. They slowly exercise more and more control. And I think the fact that they could simply say the colleges say you can't come to the college unless you get this vaccine. And everybody said, oh, OK, fine, I'll get the vaccine. Most people just did that. You know, oh, I, I'm just God. shocked by that. I'm just shocked. I know. I know. 
hopefully as more and more, I mean, I, I don't want people to die and I don't want people to be disabled, but it seems like it's the only. I know it's sad to say, isn't it? It, it has to be more before it can be fixed. Mm -hmm. And I, I keep thinking people are going to see it and yet they need even more evidence before they see it. It's just really amazing to me how much evidence they need before they believe there's a problem. I know. And of course they did do a good job of, of advertising that the virus itself is really, really toxic. So people became terrified of the virus. Right. And like, they're sort of thinking, how bad could this vaccine be? I think a lot of people had this kind of a thought process that, oh my God, that disease is so horrible. If I get it, I'm going to die. Here's this vaccine that offers me some protection. Maybe the vaccine has some side effects, but it couldn't possibly be as bad as the disease. Could it? You know, I think a right. lot of people think that way. I, I think so. Yeah. I, what I think people should be terrified of is all the toxins that they've been. Uh, I, uh, I feel like they've been prepping us or priming us for this with all of the chemtrails and, you know, all of the heavy metals in the chemtrails I and the, the glyphosate and just all the crap in the food and the water. And oh, absolutely. Um, by the way, uh, there's a new article. I just saw the buzz on it this morning. This is brand new news. I don't have the details on it, but there was an article, uh, a, a news article about a paper that had come out, I think, that was um, showing they were excited to see that they thought they had an understanding of, of a, a, a very strong marker for SID, sudden infant death syndrome, mm -hmm. which was, which was a, a deficiency in an enzyme that's called butyral cholinesterase, butyral cholinesterase. So they okay. said they were very specific. A deficiency in that enzyme in the brain was found to be a strong um, factor. It, it was, stood out as a very strong marker for sudden infant death. And oh, that was very, very interesting to me. I immediately started reading about that enzyme. And that enzyme turns out to be quite fascinating. This is all brand new. I just got this this morning. Wow. Um, so would that be genetic? Would that be a genetic thing? Or? No, it's, it's, it's toxins in the environment. <gasps> I, I, because I knew that. Uh, <sighs> yeah. That, and, and interestingly, mercury is, is very good at inhibiting this enzyme. Mercury. Wow. So that immediately thinks, makes you think of the vaccines, you mm -hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And then also um, these uh, organophosph organophosphates, okay. organophosphate uh, insecticides. It's well known mm -hmm. that they inhibit that enzyme. And also nerve gas, you know, that they use nerve gas and, um, and probably several other things as well. And I, as I was looking this morning, I decided to look for glyphosate and I found because I suspected glyphosate is an organophosphonate. So it's not quite the same thing as an organophosphate. And I've always wondered okay. whether glyphosate might also inhibit that enzyme and it turns out it does there was a paper 2019 i think i only saw it this morning um a person a woman actually tried to kill herself by drinking a glyphosate formulation and um and then what happened was she had a severe deficiency in that enzyme as a consequence of her glyphosate exposure so that shows that glyphosate also suppresses that enzyme so when you have the mercury the glyphosate the organophosphate insecticides when the kid is exposed to all those things that enzyme gets wrecked and then mm -hmm. you get SIDS mm. so that's quite Jeez. interesting wow. and of course the paper didn't say anything about I don't think I'll have to go back and look it's too soon but I want to see if the paper itself brings up the idea of oh why might that enzyme be suppressed you know mm -hmm. yeah to say simply that it's a genetic if they say it's just a genetic thing I'm going to be pissed you know <laughs> <laughs> So you will be on that. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. Oh so. God. So what, 
what can people do? Do you have any, I mean, like, I think one of the things that really, um, and I take every day is um, C60, carbon 60. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that is an interesting, I've, I've heard about that. Carbon 60, um, it neutralizes free radicals. Uh-huh. Let's see, by absorbing the extra electron, makes free radicals harmless by absorbing the elect- uh, uh, extra electron. C- C60 absorbs up to 32 free electrons while other antioxidants can only absorb one. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Huh? And that's yeah, I take this, it's um, it's a fuller life. They're like, they're little strips yes. that you just put under your tongue and they're, ah, they're water soluble because what they say is that the, um, the C60 that's normally, it's normally an oil, like olive oil or something like that, that uh-huh. it clumps and it's not uh-huh. biologically active. Uh, and one of the people that's that's helped to develop this, uh, Marshall Thurber, who was uh, with um, Bucky Fuller. Mm-hmm. So that's where the the carbon sixty. Bucky it's balls, a, right? These are yeah, bucky it's, balls. right. It's a bucky ball. It's it's sixty carbon atoms in a ball. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I'll put I'll put a link to it in the show notes because um, I think it's it's probably one of the best, and it. Um, it says it's 99.99% pure carbon C60. Wow. So, um, and the strips are really, it's just in this little, little uh, case that you can just, you know, easily throw in your purse or, you know, uh-huh. it, it doesn't take up much room I, and they dissolve really quickly. And of course, then you're getting what you're getting the uh, mucosa uh, in the mouth and, um, mm-hmm. I think a lot more things are going to come out in strips like this because mm-hmm. then it doesn't have to go through your digestive system. I see. That's pretty interesting. Right? Yeah. yeah just, just localized to the mouth. That's pretty interesting. Right. It goes through the bu- buccal, <clears throat> buccal mucosa and then gets into your, yes. your, your cells. Yeah. I've actually become aware of when you take a, for example, I take like rosemary oil mm-hmm. um, and, and you can put it under your tongue and kind mm-hmm. of keep it in your mouth for a long time and it'll absorb through the mouth. Um, which is a more efficient way to get it past the barriers than once if you just swallow it quickly, it gets right. harder for it to get past the barriers into the brain. So it's really cool to kind of keep those things in your mouth um, right. for a while before you swallow them. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause if it doesn't have to go, your digestive tract is breaking everything down and you don't really exactly. know how much you're getting. Uh, yes, exactly. So it's interesting. And, it, and the mouth has very absorbable, you know, bear, bear, um, the mucosal lining of the, of the mouth is very good at uh, absorbing these right. things. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. Anything else you can think of that can help <laughs> people? Sure there's lots else. It's always fun to talk to you. <laughs> time goes by fast. Uh, I, but, know. Yeah, I know. I'm excited about this team. I have to say the four of us are on fire and we're working. I told you about the paper that just got published, which I'm, I want people to watch for that potential mechanisms for human genome integration of genetic code from SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccination mm-hmm. implications for disease. It's a, it's a pretty long paper and it's got a lot of um, uh, interesting stories in there well, about the potential if, for destruction. by these Yeah. Guys. If you could send, when it's published, if you could send me the link and I'll put it in the show notes for oh, people. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping it'll be in the next couple of days. So oh, good. Do that. Maybe you probe me if I forget. Yeah, I will. I will. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah. I know you're busy. You know, the other thing that I've been really interested in is the role of parasites, Uh huh. you know, yeah. in, because I know that um, I, I know some people who, you know, grew up on farms and you were, 
kids were wormed all the time, right? Just uh, a- along with along with animals. And uh-huh. um, you know, what what is the role, <clears throat> excuse me, of parasites and all this? Because ivermectin, it seems to work for so many things. I can't mm-hmm. believe how effective ivermectin is. And um, I've started taking it just like on every Sunday. And I know they do that in places in Africa. It's like mm-hmm. once a week, you know, to for parasites. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, the more I've been reading about the the benefits and, and the different, uh, gosh, I mean, the list is so long of things that can clear up mm-hmm. using ivermectin. It's crazy. It really is. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and people go, oh, that's, you know, that's horse pit. You can't actually take. Oh, horse I paste. know they connected to uh, the horses, but actually yeah. it's been used by in humans for many, many years, very, very effectively. Yeah. That's and, what it was developed. Africa, yeah. It was developed yeah. for humans. I believe. In fact, yeah. They just like to use that as an, as an excuse to make yeah. you um, not want it. Right. Um, and I think, you know, Africa has had a remarkably good, response to COVID-19. You know, mm-hmm. they have very low mortality rates in most of the African countries. And I suspect that part of that may be because they have, they've been using ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine routinely yes. for other diseases. And so it's very easy for them to just feel good about using it for this, you know? Absolutely. You think, you think the CDC and NIH and all that would really, I'm sure they know that, but you'd think they'd really want to look into it and share that information with oh, the public. Oh, I know. It makes me so angry that they shut down the doctors who are, who are doing, uh, who are prescribing these things. They, they end up losing their license. Uh, Meryl Nass is a friend of mine. Do you know Meryl Nass? Yes. Dr. yes. Meryl Nass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's been having a big battle with Maine, you know, on, on the issue of uh, prescribing ivermectin is just so ridiculous. Well, and so, uh, in, in California, I believe isn't, uh, I don't know if they're trying to pass it. I thought they passed this. Yes. Disinformation. Yeah. So if a doctor, if a doctor, even if he just wants to give you information about possible adverse events, you can get your license taken away, I believe. Well, it's really uh, unclear what, you know, what disinformation <sighs> means, but from what we've been seeing, a lot of the valid, very valuable information is what's being called disinformation. And so they're going to start, you know, making it legal to prosecute these people for, to make that official. That's just really, I mean, we're really going in a terrible wrong direction right now with respect to mainstream. I'm hoping that the mainstream pharmaceutical system based medical system will collapse. I really want it to collapse. I, I certainly hope so. It doesn't so. have anything good that it's offering right now and it just needs to collapse. So we'll see. But um, as more and more people get sick <laughs> as a consequence of the drugs they're taking and the foods that they're exposed to, we have to wake up. Everybody has to wake up. I think it's it's past time to reevaluate all these quote unquote vaccines that are given to children. Absolutely. And you know, I, I mean, to me, it just all that says is, oh, you're so frail. The body's so frail. The body can't heal itself. It can't take care of itself. You need all this, all these chemicals put in your body. Yeah. And then and, and basically there's been several papers that have come out now with various studies where they've shown tremendous differences in the health of the kids mm-hmm. that aren't vaccinated versus the ones that are. It right. is really much, much worse than I had originally thought in terms of the damage the vaccines are doing to all the kids, not just a few kids getting autism. It's all the kids are being damaged. We have the eczema and the asthma and ADHD. I mean, all these things. I know. And and did you know any any of your classmates, any kids you knew when you were growing up have any of this 
No, no, no. That was just, right. I and mean, I remember very clearly from grade school, my entire grade school, I wasn't aware of anybody who had any particular issues, certainly no food issues. You know, right. Nobody was allergic to peanut butter. Yep. And there was one kid I remember who was a year behind me who had asthma. And, and I remember mm-hmm. that because there was, it was sort of a big point of making sure you knew she had asthma. So I knew mm-hmm. about that. That's the only thing I ever heard of, of any of the kids in my school being sick with anything. Mm-hmm. And no ADHD, no autism, yep. none of it. Right. And, and before somebody says, oh, you probably went to a small high school. One of my high schools had 1500 people in it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't, <laughs> I don't remember any, any right. of this kind of stuff. I never met anybody with autism until I was mm-hmm. grown up, you know? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I, it really is time to, I think we need to relook at all of this and um, you know, it's, it would be, it's it's really it's actually quite fascinating to read about and there are documentaries now on uh, the Rockefellers and and how the whole oh, I know. drugs and pharmaceuticals all started and- a very systematic uh, approach to, to shutting down the, um, the 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 departments in the schools that offered the traditional way of you know treating uh, disease through. Um, herbs and, and, you know, uh, homeopathics, homeopathics. Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, Chinese uh, medicinal plants and things like that. And even so, energy, you know, energy medicine right, e- existed right. then. And yeah, they just, they shut all of it down and, you know, and now we're paying a huge price. Oh, huge price. Yes. Huge. <laughs> I know. Wow. So <laughs> one of the things I will put in the show notes too, is um, I created this, a, a while back, I don't even put my name on it or anything, but it's a, a PDF of uh, some of the things that you can do to boost your immune system. Oh, uh, wonderful. What to do, like if you feel if you feel like you're coming down with something, some of the things you can take, what you can do, um, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it's it's simple things like vitamin D, zinc, NAC. Um, uh, did I say C? Um, mm-hmm. uh, what else? And, and yeah. Quercetin, quercetin yes, uh-huh. and, and some other things. And also things like, uh, ivermectin, if you become ill mm-hmm. or, you know, I mean, sometimes if I know I'm going to be in like a big group of people, uh, mm-hmm. I will take something like ivermectin or something like that before, um, mm-hmm. just as a precaution. Mm-hmm. Um, also MMS, a lot of people don't know about MMS, but MMS yes. is another, you know, the chlorine dioxide. I know that's it, very interesting that it, that can take care of a huge amount of disease illnesses. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it, it it's that way. It's there's, there's that documentary. I think I've talked to you about that before. There's a documentary, one hour documentary where a third of it is showing COVID-19 uh, using MMS effectively for COVID-19. Ooh, can you send me the link to that so I, I can put that yeah, in? You can put okay. that up there too. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. I'm, I'm going to write this down so that MMS documentary and your paper, paper. We want yes. links for those. Okay, good. Yes. Awesome. Wow. Well, this has been, um, as usual, another eye opener. Um, yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> it's always fun to talk to you. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I really enjoy our conversations. Is there anything else that you would like to share that you haven't or? Oh, well, no, I think we've done a good job. We probably overwhelmed them with the uh, information. So, uh, yes, it's, it's, I mean, obviously just encourage people to eat organic food. Right. Uh, very, very important. Yeah. Right. As much as possible. And I don't know about you, but, uh, well, in Kauai, it might be different because you're there, but I, I have been noticing grocery shelves uh, have a lot of empty 
you know, a lot of empty spaces and um, the psychopaths have been destroying food processing plants and destroying animals. And so, you know, whatever you can do to grow as much of your own food, it doesn't have to be a lot, but you know, if you can grow, Mm -hmm. if you could grow something, it's a, a good idea. It is. Yes, I agree. I had fun last winter with my tower garden. I had lots of. Mm, uh, yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, really the fun. basil was amazing in it, and That's you great. know, lots of greens. And I didn't do too well with tomatoes and cucumbers, in but you know, um, you can definitely it works really well with greens and herbs. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, anything you can do right. to grow some food, and you know, you can get together with people in your neighborhood and each grow something different. And share. Yes, and share everything. That's a good mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to end on a positive note here. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. As always, Stephanie, I really admire your work. I admire what you do. I honor you. And I just, I really think you're also a wonderful person. So, thank you so much. Well, it's always good to talk to you. Take care. Stay okay. Safe. You too. So everyone, remember, the podcast website is realjanine.com. You can listen to episodes. You can download them. If you go to the archives, you will see a lot of other great conversations with Dr. Stephanie Seneff. And remember, Janine is J-A-N-E-A-N. Thank you for listening. And thank you so much, Dr. Stephanie Seneff, for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome, Stephanie. I really appreciate your taking the time. To subscribe to Keeping It Real with Janine, go to your favorite podcast provider. You can also listen to slideshow videos on BitChute and Rumble. And please remember to subscribe while you're there. Or if you're on Rumble, uh, what do you do? Oh, give me a Rumble or two or whatever you do on Rumble. (laughs) Uh, Do you know someone who would find Stephanie's conversation interesting, fascinating, even... uh, Wow, something they need to hear, they need to know just to uh, make sure that they take care of themselves. And in fact, I told a friend the other day who had a couple of jabs, I said, please don't don't brush off anything health-wise, you know, go go get something checked out. If something's not right, don't don't let it go because it's really important right now. Okay, please share the love, everyone. We'd really appreciate it. Take care and as always, be well.